We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This is episode 168 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso here to break down all things swing from the White Sox and Cubs. The Bears getting swinging into the season. NBA bubble providing big time moments as we uh, head into the second round. Some of those series already in the second round and proving me right. But what's new? Uh, we're going to dive into a little buy or sell as well. And uh, with that, I say hello. Matt Rooney, how are you? Can I ask what's, what proved you right? I forgot what you said. I'm not saying there's you're a wrong. Tweet that I don't, there's a tweet that I said that the Milwaukee Bucks had a conference semifinal season this year. Or, uh, a conference semifinal when did you, season. Like you said this one, when the bubble started or, or when like this in was the season? Right before playoffs started in okay. the bubble. So I think when you Giannis, and I have been when Giannis headbutted. When Giannis headbutted. Yes, we talked um, about that on here. Uh, Mo Wagner and I, I, I tweeted it was that that shows mental weakness and a conference semifinal ceiling. And now down 0-2 to the Miami Heat, it looks like they might have a conference semifinal ceiling. We will get to NBA. So you and I um, both but, on uh, that train. I, I think we're, we're we're looking pretty smart for our discussion on that. We, we both yeah, kind of and bought into the box. We can get everyone. To that, yeah, everyone everyone That's, seems to see something that I don't see, but uh, looks like we might see Giannis in a Warriors jersey before we see him win a championship. But I digress. We're going to go baseball first here. Uh, Wait, I didn't get to tell you how I'm doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's a pretty normal day. Right. I just woke up about good. 20 minutes ago. How was home? Your visit home? Am I allowed to say you went home? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say that? yeah, yeah. Well, because you, got, I'm, mad, I'm, you I'm, got mad at me last week. Yeah, you were put me on put me on the spot Joe, here. Joe, two, three, four hours or whatever, twenty four hours after I said that, you put an Instagram post at O'Hare Airport. So I don't think it was some big secret that you were going home. <laughs> if it was, you're terrible. It was a smokescreen. That was a smokescreen. Okay, um, gotcha. There was, yeah, was a picture from ten years ago. You were setting um, people no, up to see was, if anyone would come to your apartment. Got it. It was absolutely fantastic. And speaking of setups, uh, my family uh, did set me up there for a little. I early saw that celebration. I was by the way, of. I was terrified. I was like, oh. Fuck is it his birthday? I shouldn't have sworn um, there. Um, well, I was like, I, I thought I did. I thought your birthday was September, which I went yeah, being my, right. My, I was like, wait, this my, isn't. Do I need to text him? I went to. I actually went to check Facebook to see if I got like the today's Joe Musso's birthday thing. I'm actually I was terrified. I'm actually thrilled. Um, one, two things here. I'm thrilled. Two, you should have my birthday in your planner. I got your, it. I got the rough I have, area. I have, I have everyone's birthdays. What's mine? Uh, in my, oh, I, I'd have That's to. It I comes thought. up. That's no, no, no. It comes up in my Apple calendar. Mine comes up in Facebook. I, I, get, I check Facebook, Facebook and it says it's, it's your birthday. I still open um, it here and there. It says it's your birthday. I said, no, I, I, I have. I have a, a very exciting birthday this year, not for me, but just for what's going on around it. Um, it's on September 14th, which I is knew the first that. Monday of Monday Night Football. So we'll be coming off a full day of football on September 13th. And then that also begins U.S. Open Week, uh, which is right here in uh, Westchester. Happy uh, birthday York. to Joe. Jeez. Yeah, so we got some we got some nice sports surrounding the 30th year. But no, it was a, it was a lovely early celebration with family at home. Um, and uh, just got to take in some of the sights and sounds of the city. Played a little golf because uh, this is a golf podcast. It's true. Um, well, we should talk. We, we got to talk about that this week. Yeah, I was going to say maybe we can. Golf. We we do have to talk a little uh, PGA on the back end. But Matt, early buy or sell here. I love it. Um, buy or sell. Love early buy or sell. Obviously, you're going to sell it, but I, I'm forgetting. I'm I'm, for, I'm not. It's not possible. That's not for I sure. 
I can't think of a way to pose this uh, okay. interestingly. Buy or sell playing golf with someone else's clubs. Because I, I went pretty low with my uncle's set. And usually if I'm playing two or more rounds, I'll, pa- I'll, I'll obviously travel with my own clubs. But mm-hmm. I'm just playing once. With in my that, parents, in my that, uh, Shelby was riding with us. Where'd you play? Ended up using, um, played Bridges of Poplar Creek. No, okay. Bridges of Poplar Creek in Hoffman Estates. Nice course. Um, not exceedingly long. Hit three wood most of the day, which was nice because I didn't like my uncle's driver. There you go. But, um, but uh, had a Scotty in the bag, had a nice set of AP2s. So it was like almost like taking the AP2s for a test run. Um, it hit them really well. But buy yourself playing with someone else's clubs. I got no problem. In that in that scenario, I have no problem with it. If you're, if you're going on like a, a week-long vacation or something somewhere and you're mm-hmm. playing a lot of golf, then I would say no, bring your clubs. But yeah, in that sure. scenario, absolutely. There, there's nothing wrong with the, the, the one or two rounds if you if you don't want to take your own clubs with you on a flight and then have to worry about all that. Uh, yeah, totally difference. fine. With that. Especially if you have, it, it's nice to have nice clubs. Like you mentioned, your uncle had some pretty nice clubs. It's not like you were walking into, yeah. you know, 20 year old pings or something like that. The thing I might want to, my, my million dollar idea right now oh. is the putter luggage, a piece of luggage just for your putter, because that's the weirdest feel is somebody else's putter. Um, he, he, he had a weird grip on it that I had to get used to. It was a nice older Scotty that had a lot of jump out of the face that I wasn't, but I got used to it, rolled some putts in, but I think that just traveling with your putter is a total slack. I disagree. I think that's probably, I do. Obviously the putter is all about feel, but like Mm -hmm. that's something for me that you can, Take five extra minutes out of your round. Go to the practice green. Figure oh, out for how the sure, putters for rolling. Sure. I, 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 if hey, if that's your dream and you want to develop putter luggage and you think that's gonna, that's going to make you know, put you over the top, Joe, I support or, you because that's what good podcast mates do. That's you know for me. This, it's just not for me. And for that, you know, reason, the second we got, we already have a second target market here for putter luggage. Okay, and that is the person who is so fanatical about their putter that when they ship their clubs, they don't want the putter in there. Now they that the is putter, probably your market. They want the putter too. as the putter as the carry on with them on on the flight. I think that I, I think that is your your main market. You spend putter luggage too, because I think right, you're going to more. Put the TM people. next to it or the R, whatever that's patent pending right now. This is our um, intellectual property. It happened on our podcast. If you steal that idea, it's it's technically theft. Clip it. Let's move also, on. Also, the seventh of, commandment: uh, Thou shalt not. No, that's lie. I don't know. What there's shall, a thou shalt no, not steal. It's thou shalt not copyright putter luggage. There you go, uh, Matt. We got to talk a little baseball here. Uh, White Sox uh, with a record do, month yeah. in August. I have limped into September here a little bit, but um, 54 home runs in August. uh, They get to the top of the division for the first time since, I believe, 2018. They were there momentarily. And, um, I mean, they're angling for their first division win in quite some time. They struggle against the Twins here in uh, back-to-back ball games. But, Matt, uh, the current temperature on the White Sox is what? You know, last night was was a disappointment. Last night was a tough one because I know they lost two nights ago, but – that was a game that Dallas Keuchel went out and pitched well. It was a game they could have won. They had a bunch game. of chances. Yeah. And, you know, some nights they, they didn't have a bad night at the plate. It wasn't really a bad effort. Like, you're just going to have some nights where you leave a lot on the bases. It's, that hasn't been a regular thing. And that's just kind of what happened to the Sox the other night. Last night was pretty unacceptable. They, they had to start Ronaldo Lopez, which I, and we can get into and whether or not they made a mistake not adding, you know, just a depth piece in the rotation, not even like a Lance Lynn or going after Mike Clevenger, just adding a, a guy they trust to trot out there every fifth day because now you're looking at Ronaldo Lopez probably not making his next start and being moved to the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So that puts you in a spot. But they looked like a team that was kind of 
defeated from the get-go last night. Their approach at the plate wasn't really great. They were waving at just about everything Jose Barrios threw. Um, and, and last night was it was a reminder that even though the Sox are incredibly talented, this is still like the bonus year, if that makes sense. Like th- This is kind of the year that you expected them to make some noise but not necessarily win all that much. Um, this is a team that's still very much learning how to win and probably still needs a couple of veteran pieces to really get them over the hump. Yeah, but I push back on that bonus year idea because sometimes you come into the season with a certain expectation and you exit with another. Um, look at the Nationals last year. They came in with big-time expectation. Mm-hmm. They underperform, and everybody forgets about them, and then they charge at the end of the season. So you have to be able to um, not be prisoner to the moment. You have to be able to go out there day by day and win those ball games, and at the end take stock of what you've done and move on from there, not look at it as, hey, we're playing with house money because no one expected us to be X, Y, or Z this year. The White Sox are one of the most dangerous offenses in Major League Baseball right now, and they have to see themselves as such on every on a, on a night-to-night basis. So I, not feel so feeling when they, like when they do fail that they have failed. I, I think that's, that, you know, that's a fair here. point. I guess for for me, it's it's from more of a a fan standpoint. I think mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that's how they feel in the clubhouse by any means. Okay, I, 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 team, I, no, I get what you're saying. I'm talking about from me as a fan standpoint. From them, absolutely yeah. not. That's a loser's mentality. They should think they're going to go out and win every night. Because like you said, they do have the offense to go out and win every night. Um, it, it's it's the pitching that right now, obviously they have two absolute top end of the rotation guys in Giolito and Keiko who are pitching fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. They have a guy in Dane Dunning who's gone out and had two really good outings and you're thinking you can trust him, but Dylan Cease has still been really up and down. Ronaldo Lopez probably isn't even in the rotation. I, I, you're just, we talked about their bullpen, I think, at the beginning of the year being the big issue, and that actually has been fantastic. It, it's really this back end of the rotation that they need to worry about. Um, but I, 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 I'm sorry for uh, if, I, if I misled you there. I don't think that off, I think that clubhouse thinks they're good enough to win on every. Uh, win on any given night and I think they are I just think when you have a guy going out Ronaldo Lopez like he did last night who doesn't necessarily believe in himself who's not all that confident but going into last night was 0-5 with a ERA over 9 in his last 5 starts against the Twins a young team like that has a tough time getting the oh no here we go again thing in the back of their head out of the back of their head For sure. the, the Twins and- started out loading the bases and granted Lopez got out of the jam but in other bases loaded nobody out it's kind of like a, okay here we go again and everything you saw on what is it wednesday night mm-hmm. um is magnified by what did not happen two nights prior on the deadline i mean yeah. you see a weakness and then that weakness immediately rears its head uh in a big time matchup uh with a divisional foe as you race for a uh, a division title it's just it's tough in that sense but what do you make of the the White Sox inactivity here at the break do you think that they're they just I think prices so and they were I think trying prices to do so? were incredibly high yeah and I do think that yeah. I think that the Sox have a couple super high-end pieces that they see as is you know, massive parts of the future. Yeah. I think they weren't trading. It's a Dane long-term Dunning plan, anymore. and they didn't you, want to sacrifice no. any of that. They're and keeping the I'm, long-term intact. At some point, you do have to start sacrifice. I don't even know if sacrificing the long-term is the right word because their team, their their guys on that roster right now are so young. Sometimes you have to mm-hmm. guess, sacrifice some of the long-term depth if if you want to go that route. Um, but I, I don't think they're quite 
there yet because I, I still so, think they need some of those pieces to come up, and I don't think you can sacrifice that many for a guy. I mean, Mike Clevenger is obviously the big name and as talented as he is. The guy has back problems, and I, I think I've, I've mentioned several times on this podcast, I, I'm always terrified of back problems, and I, I don't think mortgaging yeah. the future for a guy like that who also just had that whole clubhouse issue in Cleveland. I'm not sure if he's the right guy. I think what's what's interesting here is that the White Sox are in that window where you can move. You can um, mm-hmm. expedite the process and give up a couple pieces. But as you said, you said the word depth there. Um, and I think not only depth roster-wise, but depth time-wise in terms of your window. Mm-hmm. You start sacrificing now early on the front end of this contention window – that window gets smaller now. Now it starts earlier, yeah. But it gets a little bit more concentrated. Whereas if you stay long term and you let these prospects develop within your um, system, and then you bring them up in your system to have depth behind the amazing uh, lineup you have right now, one through nine, uh, then perhaps that window stays open a year or two longer. So I think that's sort of the cost benefit they're having yeah, to right now. And I think you saw the opposite side of that on, on the other side of town. And not to say that the Cubs weren't right in going for it when they did, because I think when they made the Quintana trade, it was absolutely the right move for them at the time. Yeah. But it was a move that kind of sacrificed their window a little bit. They, they've made a few moves. Jorge Soler was another one that kind of sacrificed their window a little bit. And now you're looking at them with one World Series, and granted, one World Series is worth all of it because that's, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Obviously, they, they'd like to have more, but they got one World Series, and they're, they're already talking in 2020 here about their window being kind of just about shut with this current group. Um, so I, I think having that, comparison on the other side of town might make Rick Hahn a little bit more reserved and make that move. That said, if you're not going to be making moves at the trade deadline, which that that's okay. If you don't want to sacrifice your top prospects and you have some guys you're really high on, you think you can help out soon, which I think they do. Um, be ready to spend in free agency when, when they need to add on to some piece, because if you're not going to add via the trade deadline, you're going to have to spend some money and they've done a great job getting out in front of locking up all their young talent to very you know, cost controlled, cost efficient prices. Now you have to be ready to do. I'm not saying go out and sign a $300 million contract if it's not there, but when I, I've said these two names a bunch, when, when George Springer wants 15 million over four years and Marcus Stroman wants 20 over four as well, whatever, be ready to spend that. Be ready guys to like those are, are going to be the moves that are going to put you over the edge and not cost you anything out of your prospect pool, just some cash. Uh, Matt, let's move to the north side here. Obviously, still a good amount of baseball to be played on both sides of town. The White Sox are sort of uh, entertaining the hearts and minds, not only in Chicago, but elsewhere. I know a lot of people at work here from all over the country, Indians fans, Yankees fans, are taking stock of the White Sox right now, as mm-hmm. not just as a possible contender that they're going to have to face, but as a team that's really fun to watch yeah. when you're just watching a ball game night-to-night basis. The Cubs are sort of creating their own energy. The big story right now is their dugout, or I guess like, um, you know, how much they're kind of a little league team in the sense that like they're the loudest most rambunctious group in the dugout is mm-hmm. sort of what, what i've been yeah like i haven't honestly creating, haven't watched a ton of their games this year um i i watched i've watched a little bit i watched uh, a few games a couple games when i was back home on mm-hmm. tv with my dad and you know they're still i feel like we haven't given them the credit they deserve this season they're still a really good ball club especially uh, when they got their top two on the mound. Um, and, and I think that 
that's why they're just like quietly going about their business at the top of the division right now. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, it feels like the, we've talked about it before in the past. It doesn't have the magic, uh, the magical feeling of years past. And maybe that's because they have reached that height, like you said already. And it, it doesn't require magic to get back there. Just execution. Um, do you, do you have a ceiling for the Cubs right now? You know, it, it's, I was just kind of thinking about that as you were you know, talking about what the Cubs have done so far this year. And, it's it's really hard to tell just about anybody's true ceiling. I think especially the Cubs because you look at who they've played, and this isn't the, the, you play the people they put in front of you, and that's what the Cubs are doing. Their schedule has been so unique from the Cardinals standpoint. You know all the the COVID time they've missed, and you don't you still don't really know what they are because of how many games they've played. The rest of that division has massively underachieved. I don't believe they've played the Twins yet. They played the Indians once really early on. So I, I think they're pretty good, but I, I think it's the same thing with the Sox. Like, we don't have much of a measuring stick for them to go up against. I, it's going to be weird. I think we're going to find out really who a lot of these teams are once the playoffs roll around, once they start playing teams they haven't quite really seen yet. Um, that said, if Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez start clicking, which, I mean, they're, they're not having good seasons, but they're at least picking it up from where they were in the Sox series season. If, if Ian Happ keeps hitting this way, I mean, they're a team that if Darvish or Hendricks or Lester's on the mound, they're going to have a chance to beat everybody, anybody on a given yeah. night. But they're also a lineup that is capable of going up and, and throwing up a whole lot of strikeouts, which we've seen kind of be their downfall the last few years. Um, so I think they can beat anybody, but I also think in the NL, it, it might be somewhat of a moot point because I don't think the Dodgers are losing to anybody this year. That's a good point. That, that, that is a really good point, that their ceiling is as high as they want it to be below the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I, I it, it's, it's hard to tell the White Sox, too, because like the White Sox haven't played the Rays yet. The White Sox haven't played the Yankees yet. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the White Sox haven't played Houston or Oakland. Like we don't really know how it's a, it's a weird season trying to gauge where you're at with such a limited sample size in teams. And again, you can only play the teams you're put in front of you and the, the Sox and Cubs are doing a great job of beating the teams they should. Um, but it's going to be, we're going to learn a whole lot real quickly once the playoffs roll around about all these teams. Yes, we will. And uh, we have, plenty of baseball to still digest it's a great time of year because football is coming around the corner as well do not forget next week we season have preview NFL, show nfl season preview show as we do year after year here on the moose and Ridge podcast they'll be coming your way either wednesday or thursday of next week and we'll be sure to get it in your ears before kickoff one Can't week wait. from today thursday night football to get the 2020 nfl season started in the with some fans, fans. In the stand. i thought they with do some have some fans, fans. i think kansas city i think they fans. have like a 20 percent, 25 percent. which by the way roger goodell saying he's not he hasn't backed it up with any information at all all he keeps saying is teams with fans in the stands won't have a competitive advantage he won't give yeah. a reason why it's, no. it was like they're going to it's, no, they it's will, a, like but, you can but okay it's just it's it's okay you can admit it like it's 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 a thing that that's an advantage I, I could see maybe if they're letting teams without fans pipe in crowd noise, then maybe you have a point there. I, I, I think that that creates noise and not energy, and those are two different things yeah. in the stadium. Um, so I don't know. There's going to be a competitive. I don't care who's competitively advantaged or disadvantaged. Just go play football. Uh, I am so excited. Play football I on my you team. Are. 
um, play football on my TV. That's all. That's all we really want uh, as we move forward. But we got to talk a little Chicago Bears here. My head almost popped. I was. Uh, off, I, I purposely almost, stayed out of that conversation. My head almost came text. clean off of my body the other day when I read the headline that Matt Nagy would not be naming a uh, starting quarterback until you see him for the first snap of the season against the Lions. Like. I was I was just about to go into a terror and record like you an angry voice memo that we could have just played back on here. But um, he backtracks. He goes back on his word, whatever you want to call it. He um, he reverts course here and says they will name a starter on Monday. Um, from everything you've heard, I mean, you're a little bit closer to it on a day-to-day basis, Matt. Who are you assuming will be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears? They're doing a great job of playing it close to the vest if they have any sort of inkling on who it's going to be. Um, I don't know. I think if you ask just about any beat writer, if you ask, if you pulled the beat writers in town, I think they'd probably split, probably be split around 50-50. Um, I think both have sounds like, obviously I haven't been at practice or anything. It sounds like both have had their moments in camp where they look like they got great grasp of the offense where they're ready to go. And both have had their moments in camp where they look incredibly mediocre. Um, I think the one thing that I guess is encouraging coming out of the same person. I disagree. I don't think the same person. I think one is very smart and not as talented. And I think one is very talented. They are both career. They are both. That's fair. I'm just, I'm talking 5%. Passers. That's fair. I'm just saying I don't think they're the same. I they think have the they're same touchdown-interception ratio. I think they're kind of they, polar opposites, that if you put them together, if you put Nick Foles' brain in Mitch, Mitch Trubisky's body or vice versa, mm-hmm. I think you'd have a very good quarterback. But I think they okay, both so, have what the other doesn't. So we are a lobotomy away from a really good quarterback. Think about it. So at some point, <laughs> we're going to have to try that. Just, oh, someone's going to have to take the risk. I, I'd be for it. I refuse um, I, re- I refuse. To be angry about this Bears team right now because I know I will be throughout the season. And I know that it, it gives me a, I wouldn't say a false sense of security. It gives, me a, it gives me a sense of insecurity that I'm well aware of. Knowing that these quarterbacks are likely going to have, they're going to do it differently, but they're going to have a similar output, a similar level of success, mm-hmm. no matter which one is under center. So I think that that fact is is calming in a sense that no matter who's under center, it's going to be a similar result. I think if it's a draw, which if it's trending the way it is, which it kind of sounds like it, I do think you're going to see Mitch start week one. Um, yeah. One, because and that sounds like that's gaining traction a little bit too. And one, he's, he's in, in his, uh, I don't know if it's, he should dominate the lines, but Mitch has absolutely dominated the lines. That's the, what's one of the few teams he's played really, really well against. So that might be somewhat of a factor. And I think split squad. I think their thought that process might be it might be easier to go from Mitch to Foles if Mitch starts out bad, or, you know, has a few bad weeks, then vice versa, than going from Foles back to Mitch. Foles I don't. To Mitch. I, I, I guess I agree with that sentiment, but I also think if that's one of your reasonings, that's kind of a loser's mentality. But I, I don't know. I'm not saying that's their mentality either. Um, but that's kind of the narrative the media is somewhat spinning here. I, I guess I buy into that's a fact. But I also don't buy into that having that mentality if you're Matt Nagy or the decision makers and, and who's starting a quarterback. Yeah, that's. Uh, I believe that that's all being taken into account, and I believe that that further proves my point that this is going to be a Fenwick Junior Varsity split squad situation. We're going to see both Dom Compagna. We didn't have and a Joe Romano. Team. We just had a varsity. Whatever. <laughs> that, that was our junior. Was that our junior year? Yeah, our junior year. Um, we're going to see a Joe Romano, Dom Compagna uh, split squad here. 
and we're going to see what happens. Hey, we and went like I'm, six and three that year. We made the playoffs. Yeah, and that's the Bears <laughs> will probably go six and three. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Extrapolate that out. Hey, um, if you told me right now, week ten, the Bears would be you know heading to week ten, six, six and three. three. I take it. I'll take that any day of the week. Um, but we got Bears football coming up. Uh, we got an angry defense. I think one that feels a little bit um, disrespected, I think a, a chip little bit on undervalued. Yeah, because they didn't uh, they didn't produce the way that that they, they were expected to last season. They were still and, a top five defense in total defense, but it, it just wasn't the takeaway show. It wasn't the scoring points on defense. I'm really, really excited. Not only the effect of having Akeem Hicks back in the middle, and I that's what I was going to worry think. about his production, but I'm really, really excited to see what Robert Quinn off the edge does for the rest of these pass rushers. And I think it's going to, I think it's a complete game changer because you have pressure coming from all points of that defensive line. Yeah, I, I, you talked touched on it a little bit there. I, I wanted to elaborate further. You talked about it before you brought it up. But Akeem Hick, you pouring some coffee there? Mm. Is that coffee? Or are you drinking Just coffee? It, so, it sounded like a pour. Um, we got iced coffee, cold brew, hot. Ice. Ice, okay. Yeah. Um, that defense, like you said, it was still like a top – was it a top five defense? Whatever it was. it was, it was a fine defense last year. Obviously, didn't live up to the potential we thought they could. But that was Akeem Hicks getting hurt in week five, was it, and being out till week 15. Like and then that, getting hurt again in week yeah. 15. That defense, even in the before the Raiders – he got hurt early in the Raiders game, wasn't the same. Before that game, that defense was great. After he came back, even when he was just kind of at – half speed. Wow, that Raider game makes me so angry. So. It, we, yeah, I'm aware. He was just kind of at half speed, almost, against the yeah. Packers. Like, he just came back. His arm wasn't fully healthy. That defense was a different defense in that Green Bay game. They were they okay. played the Packers very well. They, they were able to stop them pretty much defensively. Just, the offense couldn't get anything going. It was ended up being the same story of the year. But that defense, if he's healthy, it, it's a 100% different defense. It's one of, if not the best defensive units in the NFL when they have all 11 they want on the field. And we talk about the effects that Khalil Mack has on an entire pass rush, but now, like you said, on the other side, they have a 11 sack guy, 11 and a half sack guy from last year. So they have a, you know, combined close to 30 sacks on the defensive ends. It's going to free some people up in the middle yeah. uh, for guys like Keem Hicks, for guys like Roy Roberts and Harris to, to take advantage. And I, I think that pass and, rush is, is getting overlooked. And it all starts up front because that's a half second less that, the linebackers have to cover. That's a half second left. Your defensive backs have to cover. Makes the reads clearer and easier on your linebackers. The pressure on the quarterback from this front four is going to determine the success of this mm-hmm. team. I, I think it comes. It boils down to that. The offense is going to be up and down. It's going to make us pull our head out of our hair. Our hair out of our head. Um, it, it's going to be difficult to watch at times. They're going to look like they've figured it out at other times. What needs to be the con- the constant, the consistent, the dependent variable of the the, the common denominator term. for other seventh grade terms. The common denominator of the Bears' success this season will be the pressure from this front four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I completely agree with you. And I think we went with the Hicks injury with Floyd kind of underachieving with teams being able to just game plan and take away Khalil Mack with triple teams. I think we saw that last year. I, I think you saw a defense that was able to cover, but eventually got tired because they were covering for so long because there was a lack of a pass rush. And you saw a defense also was on the field way too much. And then that's what ended up being their downfall. And if, if that last year's, defense their their performance 
was, I don't want to quite call it the basement because I guess it could get worse, but like at times, like that's about, I think that was close to the bottom level of, of that defense's potential, if that makes sense, in mm-hmm. some of those games we saw. And even then, most of those games, with the exception of maybe New Orleans, like they were in most of them. They had a chance to win most of them. It was just the offense couldn't take advantage of anything. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, another fun season, and I think that the that the Bears are more competitive now than perhaps we've ever seen them. And I know that's easy to say, um, not ever, but perhaps we've seen them in the last decade. I, I know there was the double doink year in which they kind of had designs for the Super Bowl, but that was really the first year of this group being together. You really got to, you got to look yourself in the mirror. You got to look at the guy next to you and you got to say, how far can we really take this thing? And if there's actual belief in that locker room, I think we could see a very exciting season out of the Chicago Bears because frankly, Outside of the Minnesota Vikings, no one in our division really scares me. I don't think the Packers have a very good roster. I don't think that the Lions can win with Matt Patricia, with the group of players they have. Can they score? Yeah. Can they stop anybody? We'll see. We obviously don't know who these teams are until they put some film on tape. But the the way these teams are constructed... The way these teams are constructed in the NFC North, it is up for grabs right now. I think Minnesota should be the NFC North favorite right now. I, like I'm with you, I and it is in Vegas. I don't think the Packers did much to address their route, which I, I know they were 13 and three last year. That, that that's great. They kind of did it on a third place schedule, and they, they it was wasn't a very convincing 13 and three. And when they finally faced a team in the NFC Championship game. They got their doors blown off. Um, the thing Minnesota, is, as Matt, good as they Matt, are. Before you get to that point, before you get to that point, every single season, and I forget the number, but I think for the last, I think, 15, 20 seasons, something like that, there's been four teams or more in the playoffs that were not the year prior. That mm-hmm. means four teams have to take major oh, yeah. steps backward. And if someone is primed for that, I feel like it's the Green Bay Packers. I agree. I, I would be shocked. But go out, go on with your Minnesota. Point. I just, I, I think they're a very talented team. I just, I think that secondary is that they have a lot of high end pieces. I, I think. I think their cornerback position isn't all that great. I think their defense, while they have a lot of big names, doesn't have much depth behind it. And I think if you look at their offense, I think they're going to – I know they drafted Justin Jefferson. I think he can be really good, but he's replacing Stephon Diggs. So if he's not a superstar wide receiver right away, they're kind of taking a loss there. I know Dalvin Cook's really good. Dalvin Cook hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I've seen what Kirk Cousins does against this Bears defense. I mean, uh, we – I know two of them have kind of been end of the season type games. Matt Nagy's four and zero against the Vikings in his tenure with the Bears. Like I, I've seen, what, I'm not just saying that's Matt Nagy. I'm saying a lot of that is Kirk Cousins. I think sees ghosts a little bit sometimes against this Bears defense. Yep. I, I don't. I, I think what the Vikings do well matches up. I, I think that's a good matchup for the Bears. I think I think the Bears are well equipped to stop what the Vikings do well. Um, so I, I'm not. I think the Vikings should be the favorite, but I don't see them as this unbeatable team atop the North. No, by no means. By no means. It's That's a wide open division. Pretty wide open. Um, Matt, we got to keep this thing rolling here. I know you're on a hard out, so let's talk a little NBA bubble. Mm. Uh, round two matchups are set, and one series is already two it's games wild in here. We got a 2 nothing series when game seven just wrapped up last night. Yeah, but that's that's it. They weren't going to have these big long layoffs mm-hmm. with guys in the bubble. Fine I kind with of, that. I, I kind of like that idea. Once your two oh, teams I like are it. ready, it's, it's weird to see. That's all. Once your two teams are ready, get after it. Um, but yes, Miami leads Milwaukee two games to none. 
Uh, OKC Houston just wrapped up. That was the game seven. Really exciting. Houston skates by with a 104-102 win. James Harden comes up with a big defensive stop. And I know, Matt, in the pre-production, you were kind of talking about, oh, let's call James Harden all defensive, put him on the all defensive team because of one stop. But he, the last few games was playing much more stout defense, and I think it's a big reason of why Houston moved on. Um, you also have Toronto and Boston. I think that Boston uh, is, uh, or excuse me, they're up two nothing as well up on the defending champs, and I think that I think that they're the most complete team in the NBA remaining right now. I mean, talk as much as you want about the LA Clippers. We're probably going to roll right over the Denver Nuggets here, but. I just see Boston as depth and execution, the best team remaining uh, in the NBA. You got the Lakers who are going to face off with Houston now, and those are your remaining teams in the bubble. It's been exciting. It will continue to be exciting, but I do think it's going to boil down to a Lakers-Celtics final in which the Celtics, I think, might have their way. I think it's going to be a classic old-school matchup. I, I would like Grant. I, did, I think I did change my pick once we started the playoffs, but once the bubble began, I did say I like Boston out of the East. I just want to say that. Yeah. Um, can you explain to me why the Clippers aren't as good as they should be? Because I don't really get it. I don't. I I, I'm not going to act like I watched the NBA super closely because I don't. Or at least I haven't been able to with with the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just kind of it's on. I, I'm, I'm watching it when I can, but it's not like I'm watching sit down every game. Why, why are they underachieving as much as they should? Because on paper, that's the best roster in the, in the NBA. I think in a lot of sports, sometimes, I think in a lot of sports, you'll see examples of it. And it's happening right now with the Clippers that a collection of stars as individuals is not as effective as a group of players playing together. Five fingers, open face. It's the five finger with an open hand slap or a fist playing together with a punch. Yeah, the, the fist, fist is always the yeah. fist is always going to win out. And I the think slap we stings a little this. bit, but the fist has. The, yeah, you yeah, can sting somebody, the, but yeah. are you going to win a fight? No, um, probably not with an open hand slap. I think the thing that we've seen, and I think we've talked about it here with Miami and with Boston, is you're seeing a fist. You're seeing. I mean, not to discredit. Um, Brown, Tatum, uh, what Marcus Smart has done. Obviously, Gordon Hayward's down, but Kemba, I mean, those are great. Those are stars. Those are all stars, but we're not talking about Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and the likes. You know, mm-hmm. those are those are top 10 players in the league, but they just have never gelled. Whether it was the shortened season by 10 games or them taking nights off to rest on off nights and never really jiving, I think you're seeing a ton of individuals who are being put into a scenario in this bubble without an external energy force of their own fans that are struggling to find their way. I I think that they're good enough to get very far, and by very far I mean the conference finals and maybe even get by the Lakers in the conference finals to get to the NBA finals. Mm -hmm. But when you face a team like Boston or like Miami uh, that are a galvanized force as one, then you end up being the underdog. Maybe not on on the board, maybe not... Uh, according to Vegas, but according to when you go out there and you look the other team up and down and say, well, these guys are, are playing with a flow and a force and a tempo that us as individuals can't. You know, I, I just don't see the cohesiveness in the Clippers, and it's further um, exemplified, it's further magnified by how successful they are when their bench players come in. When it is the Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell uh, offensive attack with maybe a, a compliment on the wing. Uh, that's not their best lineup, but sometimes it's their most productive. So I think that that tells you a lot about 
you know, how Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, while it, it on paper should make sense, it really doesn't a lot of times. I, and not to continue to expound on it here, but you're seeing the success with the Rockets because you have two stars who are willing to defer. Now, Russell Westbrook, I mean, he, he still does his slash and finish that he always but does, but he's dialed back on that because he knows he has to work cohesively with another guy who needs the ball in his hands and James Harden. That offense works so much better with both of those guys on the court because it spaces the court rather than the ball stopping when it gets to James Harden. I think you see the ball stopping on offense with the Clippers very often because you have a lot of guys just trying to get to their shots. Um, point being, a team's always going to beat the group of individuals. I like that. That that was you, I, you. I asked for an answer, and you gave me a very detailed, smart one. I appreciate that. Um, that was like a Bostonowski esque answer. Yeah, there you That's go. That's the I nicest Boston, thing I've ever said. And, to you, by the way, thank you. I appreciate that, and I, and I appreciate um, uh, you know being being held in that ilk. You know, well, you know, no, wanted, I, you know I'm sorry, you're not Mark. No, 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 no I'm up there. I'm up there. It's what you said, sir. It's what you said. But Clip no, it. let's let's not clip let's, it and put it in the intro. Let's, let's put it not in the intro right now. Let's not do that. But I do believe that, going back to my original point, that Boston, depth-wise, and the way they're kind of built right now, it's the most complete team left. Um, so you, so you have a Boston-Laker finals. That, that's where you're at. I, that's kind of where I'm leaning right now, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't watched the West enough. I, I, Boston sure seems like the team out of the East. Um, another team out of the East probably not making it there, but one that we both kind of liked as a, as a sleeper team. We said could beat anybody. Um, Miami, I just got to say, I love Jimmy Butler. I love watching this Heat team. The and they, they're, I think I've said it before, but I, I think the people saying Jimmy Butler was a little bit of a, a – he was a problem in a locker room. He was he could be a cancer with Minnesota. And then the problem – I think it's the exact opposite. I think Jimmy Butler yeah. is great for the right locker room. I think he's great at – I think it's tough for him possibly to not be an alpha. But, like mm-hmm. – he pushes young guys. He put he brings people along with him. He gets people to buy into his you know kind of dog mentality. Like they're they're, they're going to be really tough to play against. They're going to outwork you. And I love watching in a in an era of superstar basketball where superstars like you said. Obviously, the team is he's interesting. A, in Boston, he's, in Boston, a, he's a superstar. He's, he's a, a superstar with a grinder's mentality. Exactly, so. and and he, like he, brings, he still feels like he hasn't been proven. He brings other people along with him as well yeah. as any other star I've ever seen play. He is the epitome yeah. of making the players around him better. Obviously there are certain people that aren't going to buy into certain things, aren't going to let you make them better. But if you're willing to buy in, he may, he's going to make you better. And I, that's uh, why I really like watching him and his heat team. Come yeah, back to Chicago, topics. Jimmy. We miss come you. Back. Baby, come you. back. A uh, couple more topics to boat race through here before we send you guys on your way. Uh, new head coach for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Steve Nash going to be in charge of wrangling that group of individuals. I think that plays nicely into the point we were just making uh, about the Clippers uh, mm-hmm. with Kyrie, KD, Karis LeVert. Uh, you're probably going to have DeAndre Jordan, Joe Harris rounding out that starting five, depending on some moves that they make this offseason. But the big move on Thursday was naming uh, Steve Nash as their head coach. I, I don't want to. It feels I have too no easy, idea. like too, too low-hanging a fruit, but. It feels a lot like when they hired Jason Kidd. Now, I know I that team wasn't as thing. talented, but it's a all-star point guard who hasn't coached before getting a head coaching job with the Brooklyn Nets. So I think that's just like uh, an easy bridge to make there. I, I believe that Steve Nash 
is one of the greatest basketball minds you can bring in, but being a head coach requires far more than that. So yeah, I'm always. See. I didn't even I didn't even know Steve Nash wanted to be a head coach. I think that's my biggest hang up here. I, apparently, he did. Uh, that was honestly, yeah. I hadn't heard the name Steve Nash in, in a long time. He hadn't even been like hanging around basketball. It seemed I, I could be wrong. Don't yes, he was. He was. A, I was going to say, don't fact a, check me on that. Um, no, yeah, he was a special advisor for the uh, Warriors for okay, the last so like, honestly, four that, or five years. That means he's been, nothing to me. It means he could but, have been just hanging out watching basketball on his TV and talking with no, Steve he Kerr was, once a month. he was essentially working with the guards. He was okay, like, that's fair. Uh, he was like a position coach. Well, cause, well sometimes for, you get like special advisor to something and it's literally just the title so you can cash a paycheck. No, 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 no. He was, I, I, I saw him at practices and okay. stuff. Like he was, he was around the Warriors through championship years. Well, then apparently he does want to be back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The, the Jason Kidd comparison is accurate, but it's not accurate, but it seems like it, it's a fair one. I mean, it's it's a very similar situation, but I don't know. Like, it, it feel like with as talented a teams like that, it's it's really going to more. It's can he get the talent to kind of come along and, and work, work together, together rather than actually being a great basketball mind with, with superstar not- teams like that? It's a lot more of being a personality manager than a game manager. We're not implementing a 200 page playbook here. You, yeah. you, you got to just get these guys to play together. So, uh, Matt, know, we got to, sure. we got to talk tour championship because we are a golf podcast. We are. People tour championship that. getting today. This is Thursday. Uh, the, what is it? Third of September. Excuse me. Sure. Um, yeah. Third. It's, it, it, this is it. This is it for the, for the uh, PGA tour season before we look forward to the wraparound season and some majors coming up here two weeks away from the U S open, but we got to give away $15 million this week. Obviously it's the descending leaderboard from FedEx cut points. Dustin Johnson begins the week at 10 under John Rahm at eight, Justin Thomas at seven Webb Simpson at six, Colin Morikawa at five. And then the group at four includes Daniel Berger, Harris English, Bryson DeChambeau and Sunjay M. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama also at four under Matt. I'll pose it to you this way. If I gave you Dustin Johnson and John Rahm or the, field which one would you take heading into the, this opening round oh, i take i take justin and john i mean not only are they not only do they have the lead but they're both playing so well see i think justin thomas walks away with the big check this week he's only three off the lead he's closed three stroke leads in a day That's fine. let alone a four-day span and i just think that and i've been very very impressed with the way that dustin johnson did it in back-to-back weeks because that was my biggest question mark is you know it, can he stay mentally engaged mm-hmm. enough he has throughout this it's amazing when that paycheck gets playoff. pretty big how mentally engaged he, he, he has john rom on the other hand I raised that question this week. What he did last week was great, but then I'd love to go back and look at what he did after winning the Memorial um, mm-hmm. at Jack's place. I think he usually has a, a, a fall off week or kind of a, a residual high week where he's just not, he just doesn't have it in the tank that week after all that he went through last week. Those amazing putts we saw at the BMW, uh, an amazing That closing. was unbelievable. Uh, That's Dustin, as good of a fin- including majors, that was as good of a finish bombs, in the tournament just we've two, seen in, however, in, in a long, long time. Hats off to those guys for putting on a show. I do think Rom comes back to the field a little bit here, and we kind of see a Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson jockeying for $15 million on Sunday, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I am too, obviously. My I, pick, I, I, hope my it, pick, I just want it to be close. Put it in Sunday. stone, Justin Thomas, uh, to win the champion this year. To win okay. the FedEx, and um, I think he then, if he wins the FedEx, I think he positions himself for player of the year um, if he gets this done as well. Okay. I, I'm just. We've talked about it before when Dustin's going. He's not always going, but when he is, he is the best player in the world. 
and it's yeah. now two consecutive weeks that you know he's he's got it going. I mean, obviously, two weeks ago was historic, uh, but he, he seems to have it but going. Think about right. that. If Justin Thomas comes think out, about wins, I'm not going to be surprised. But Dustin yeah. Johnson's got it going right now. He's feeling it, we, and he's had these stretches before. What was it two years ago? Where he, you know, won back-to-back tournaments, and he was, you know, he basically stretched it over a full season of how well he was playing, and I, I think he's feeling it right now. Think about the ability to compete, the way that Dustin Johnson did, winning a tournament in a runaway at thirty under, and then grinding it out. What were they? What did they go into the playoff at four under, five I think under? It was four, yeah, I mean, five. It was, I it, five. It was playing even par through three days. They, mm-hmm. they kind of things softened up on the final day, but just. Regardless of the layout, regardless of what the course is demanding, what the field's doing, being able to be at the top tells you a lot about Dustin Johnson. Mm-hmm. I'm just—it's going to be a fun weekend to watch. Like you said, there's so many big names up at the top that have a chance. They're within shouting distance if certain things happen this week. Obviously, you got you like you said, you got Justin Rahm and uh, DJ at the top. I mean, Colin Morikawa with how well he's playing—he's played all year. I mean, he's what you say it was 10 shots off, but like anything can happen. No, Morikawa is four under, so six off. Okay, six um, off. So, no, excuse me. Morikawa is five under, so five off. Okay, so like a, a kid like him with how well he's playing, and I think we've seen like, you Again, know, obviously as the he major. Closed he closed a three-shot lead on the back nine of the PGA Championship. Like, this, is, not, this is not over. It, oh, it's by no means over. I'm just yeah. taking, if I'm given the choice, I'm probably taking the top two versus the field. That's a, For sure. You have For so sure. many names, so many top-end talented names that are within striking distance of this. I mean, this now, is, this is how golf drew it up with the exception of tiger not being in it i'm taking the field for that very reason but if you gave me dustin rom and thomas or the field i'd probably go with dustin rom and thomas well i would hope so I, since you've just I made justin johnson highly, your pick yeah. uh, no i made justin thomas my pick i'm, I'm sorry I, I meant to justin say justin thomas, thomas. I, the, the names are similar dustin johnson justin Tom, they're very similar justin both, dustin both, both good at the johnson golf. Both, good at the both golf. very good at golf and much better than we ever hoped to be that's it. That That's good? It. Uh, Matt, should we do a little buy or sell here before we say goodbye? I love that idea. Um, I'm going to lead us off here. Okay. Matt, uh, are all the Chapman buzzing the tower on Tampa Bay Rays? Uh, I forget his first name, but Brasso. Um, it was the ninth inning. They're up 5-3. to three. He's got him 0-2 and puts one over his head at 101 miles an hour. He gets a three-game suspension. Buy or sell the suspension and what Chapman did. Kind of a separate buy or sell there. Yeah, I... I by the suspension i don't i don't really get what it was did something happen in the game that made chapman want to throw it one of their heads nothing I, I in don't, particular other than the fact that the rays have really the rays had the yankees kick, number. Yeah, they, they just they were prior to that game that the yankees won the the rays were one in seven over the last eight against mm-hmm. the yankees so um that made it two and seven but nonetheless Chapman's still like looking for his footing, and I don't know what you're I, doing getting involved I in that type of situation. Don't, I buy the suspension. I don't. I'm never in the camp of some, of throwing at somebody's head. If you want to throw at somebody, you hit the, I, you hit them in the back. You hit them in in the the left or right cheek there, um, yeah. where there's some padding. Uh, I for don't sure. get it. I think he deserves the, the. I think he absolutely deserves the suspension. I, I just I don't understand it. I, I think you're right. Yeah, I, think it's, I, I, I think they finally got a win, and they're frustrated. They, a little bit of pent up frustration that the Yankees are supposed to be this runaway winner in the AL this year. And they're four and a half games back of the Tampa Bay Rays. who have a payroll about an eighth of what the Yankees payroll is. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that it's a, another sign, you know, you talk about mental weakness and, and Chappie mm-hmm. sometimes has had that, um, whether that's, uh, you know, on the field, off the field, he gets wrapped up in things that are, that have nothing to do with balls and strikes. And, and, I, and I, I understand 
having to throw at somebody, not at the head, like you said, but I understand having to put one, so put a ball in someone's thigh mm-hmm. if something happened. Nothing spurred this other than the fact that a team has your number. I, I don't know what message you're trying to send, but I don't think it's the right one. And I almost think that, furthermore, it's one that could divide your own locker room because there's going to be guys in that clubhouse who don't agree with what you just did. Yeah. And now they got to back you up regardless. And quite so, honestly, like if you got a team like the Rays, too, that already has your number, why are you giving them more fuel? Like, wh- why are you giving them yeah. a reason? To, like, you ha- you're, it's not like you were down you know, 10 to two and they were running yeah. something up and you were trying to, sp- you were up five to three in the night. Selfishly, selfishly Why? as a fan. Now I'm glad that everyone's safe and no one got injured, but selfishly as a fan, it does add another layer of intrigue, which I'm not mad about. In this like kind of right, new budding. Yeah. And then, in this back and forth. Now, now that was the last regular season meeting, so they won't see each other until potentially the playoffs. But um, what you do with that intrigue is is for your own volition. So, like, uh, uh, Brasso homered twice last night, right? I mean, it just yeah. it gave the Rays a reason to kind of rally. And I think you saw something similar on the North side here a couple weeks ago. I forgot which pitcher for the Reds threw at Rizzo's head, and after that, the Cubs bats have kind of exploded since they found like a rally. But why are you giving your rival something to rally against when you got him beat? I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, Matt, hit me. Um. The Cubs, speaking of the Northsiders, today today announced a deal with DraftKings. Um, mm-hmm. I believe they, they saw there's going to be a sports book outside of Wrigley, and I don't remember. I haven't read all the particulars, but obviously, you're gonna have an exclusive exclusive deal with that sports book. So, Joe, buy or sell? This is kind of the trend of the future. We're gonna start seeing teams oh, well, making deals with 100% you know, DraftKings, Fanduel. In the next decade, you're gonna see 90 percent of the stadiums in American professional sports that are gonna have some sort of sports mm-hmm. book inside the stadium or stadium adjacent and it's just where the game's going i I mean i don't see a problem with it because the problems that can arise are all kind of user generated Mm -hmm. i don't think it changes the game at all it's just about being um disciplined in the way you are allocating your funds i just love the idea of walking into wrigley field and being able to play the over on the way in and then hold that ticket in my pocket while I'm at the game. That's like a cool, I think that's Mm -hmm. a cool added layer. Um, And it's a cool way for the league to make more money for the team to make more money. Um, I'm sure everyone's going to have their hand in that pot. And uh, I I like it as long as the branding is tasteful and you don't get, you know, big gaudy signage and whatever. And it's just like another piece of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put, put it everywhere. Put it down the first baseline, put it down the third baseline, let fans come put a couple bucks down um, and cash out their tickets. And I'm sure there's going to be cash out options where you could, you know, get double what you want to cash out for ticket vouchers rather than mm-hmm. actual money. And there's a million different ways to go with this. It's a sign of the future, and I think that the Cubs are on the cutting edge of it. Some other teams have toyed with the idea. I know I uh, kind of chronicled out in Sacramento. They were doing uh, almost a live in-game wagering uh, on a- on an app. You download the app, and then you could wager in-game on live lines, player totals, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, it was just a beta, and there was no like actual payouts, but they just wanted to see how users were interacting with it. It's, it's going to be everywhere. So um, if it's for you, beautiful. I'm sure you're thrilled. If it's not, I don't think it affects you in any way. No, I'm with you. I think I it's, it. it's, it's going to keep happening. I think the Cubs were a logical start because like we talked about before the podcast, they got their own network. So I think that's that has probably a whole lot to do with, with essentially free advertising um, for DraftKings. I think it's a, it, 
think it's a good deal for both sides. And like you said, I think we're going to start over the next, you know, five, 10 years seeing most teams have these types of deals, whether that's in park kiosks, whether that's a you know, casino nearby, I'm not really sure yet, but uh, I think this is absolutely the way of the future. We're starting to see it come through. Now, now a decade might be a little bit of a, uh, of an expedited timeline because all of this is contingent on your state being a sports gambling state or a gambling state at all. Um, and Illinois has obviously made that move. Other states, and I'm sure politicians are uh, pining for that as well. I know New Jersey out here is one that people take a ride out to to uh, put down their bets. So I think that it is going to be state to state, stadium to stadium. But once this thing goes uh, nationwide, then I think you're going to see a lot of DraftKings kiosks at, at, at sports stadiums. I agree. Shall we move on? Uh, yeah, Matt, we got some, some more news out of Tampa Bay. The... Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers adding another bullet to their backfield in the form of Leonard Fournette, who was cut conspicuously by, uh, or in my estimation at least, by the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are in full rebuild mode, but I still don't understand um, cutting your only vestige of offense in Leonard Fournette. I think he makes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers substantially better um, in the run game. In the past game, he hasn't been great as a target, but can pick up blitzers. Uh, he's a big body, and he's another piece for Tom Brady to work into his vision of an offense. Matt, buy or sell Leonard Fournette makes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers better. Uh, sure, I think he makes them a little bit better. I, I think what you said is right. I think he's just a piece. I mean, he was... I know Jacksonville's in full rebuild, full rebuild mode, but if he was more than just a piece, they'd have been able to find a partner to give them some sort of draft pick for them, whether that was a late pick or not. Um, yeah, he, he makes them a little bit better. I think it's a good fit because he doesn't have to be the centerpiece of an offense. Um, I'm not sure about his pass catching abilities, but they are going to need a, a guy to be able to run between the tackles. And he has at times, I guess, been able to do that with Jacksonville. Maybe with him, he just needed a little bit of a change of scenery. Um, but yeah, I, I buy it. Seems like a good fit. Uh, I was hoping the Bears might take a flyer, but uh, I guess Tampa is probably the better fit for him, both financially and in terms of where he fits in the offense. So I think that works for both sides. I don't think it's a, de- a groundbreaking deal or anything, but I think I think it works. Yeah, I was. I had the same thought. Like you know, Montgomery goes down. We don't know how dinged up he's going to be throughout the season with that groin issue. Um, is this a possible uh, supplement to that problem? And, you know, like you said, the fit, not necessarily. He's a little bit more of a uh, run downhill, two down back, uh, rather than the three down, uh, run it off tackle, catch a screen pass, do everything that Matt Nagy's offense asks you to. Um, but nonetheless, I would have loved to see him in a Bears uniform. Yeah, I do have a question. Well, I'll get to it next week on the, the football preview show, but about the Bears running back situation and some names mm-hmm. out there, maybe why they haven't gotten to that. But but we will get to that next week because we do have a, a full hour of NFL season preview stuff to talk about. NFL um, preview God, coming your way show. next week the on the Moose and Runes podcast. I get geeked up for it. I get chills. Uh, I just it, got chills. It, I didn't really. It's going to be an like, absolute blast. Uh, hopefully. Up. It's going to be the day prior to, we're looking at Wednesday, the day prior to kickoff of the NFL season. You're going to have your fantasy teams drafted. You're going to have all your guys in tow. And you're going to be ready for some NFL football coming your way a week from today on Thursday night. It feels good to say. And uh, Matt, looking forward to breaking down the whole season with you. I will speak for Joe here. I think I can. He he mentioned having your fantasy teams drafted. And while we do hope that you do well, please do not bring up your fantasy teams to us. We just don't care. Honestly, I'll field fantasy okay, questions. Bring them up to Joe. 
I care about I'm just, somewhat my fantasy team, and that's about it. As long I as it you comes, do well, I really do. As like, I'm long as it. it comes up in the mailbag, as long as it's that's in the mailbag, okay, we'll I don't care what's in the mailbag. Questions. We're fair. taking mailbag fantasy it. questions this year. That's okay. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll make now, it. just a little background. Uh, take my advice, but know that it's only going to get you to your championship. I, every single year for the last, I think, five years, have made it to at least one of my championships and lost. There so you go. Uh, just know that that's the type of uh, Always insight the that's coming your way. All right, I, I got I got one more buy or sell for you. I think this is this is a pretty important. Hey, you were the one with the hard out, so I could go. I, could uh, go I know I got I got, a, I got I got about four more minutes. We can go four minutes okay. on this. Um, this because this one comes from your old stomping grounds, Lincoln, Nebraska. All right, I'll you, how do you feel about about boneless versus bone in wings, Joe? Um, I'm not a boneless wing. I'm a bone in. That's the whole. If I'm going to have wings, okay. well, there we go. Get the, the, get the bone. I got. I, I this this topic should be near and dear to your heart. I think you're going to buy it. Um, I don't know the name of the man, but a man in Lincoln went to essentially a town hall meeting and, and proposed the the change of the name of boneless wings on all um, all menus across Lincoln, Nebraska. The direct quote: I propose as a city. We remove the term boneless wings from our menus. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them buffalo style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country where we stand and that we've been living a lie for far too long. So you buy the need to change the name of boneless wings. No, I, I sell it. It's it's a boneless wing. Call it a chicken nugget. Call it whatever you want. Just don't call me for cash. Uh, like this is oh, there's so there's so many things that need to be brought up at town hall meetings that the jerk talking about boneless wings is wasting everybody's time. So that's fair. Go home. I do, sit I do down, agree with it. It was funny, but and I agree eat, with and that. eat some wings and eat some wings with bones in them. They shouldn't don't be, be taking up. Don't be taking up our civil servants time with what boneless wings are called. There's there's a time and place for both of them. I enjoy boneless <laughs> wings. I just agree that they're not I, see, wings like they're chicken. The you want to call them chicken nuggets. You want to call them chicken bites. That's fine. But they're what's, not wings. what's the time? What's the time for a boneless wing? Sometimes you don't feel like putting in the work. No, I mean, sometimes, sometimes then you, you don't, like then you don't deserve wings. Sometimes you like chicken nuggets, so the breast is different as a different cut than the than the wing. I mean, it's 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 one's white meat, one's dark meat. Matt said breast, and with I that, did say we breast say on goodbye the on the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode one sixty eight of the pod again one sixty nine coming tweet your us, way tweet next week. Tweet us your week. thoughts on boneless wings, people. I don't care. Tweet us your thoughts on boneless team. wings, Talk but boneless more, wings with me. more importantly, tweet us your burning questions for the NFL season ahead. We'd love to get into some mailbag for the NFL preview. I think that'd be a nice touch to the preview pod. So send us your questions, Bears related, around the league, fantasy, whatever it may be. We will touch it all next week on episode. 169 the nfl season preview of the moose and runes podcast but for now i say goodbye for matt i am joe we hope you enjoyed we'll talk to you next week may god give you for every storm a rainbow for every tear a smile for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial i swear i've seen a lot of stuff in my life but that was awesome Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.